Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 85 of the Boomer Bebo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, University of Texas, and the University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Um, this is the second episode this week that we are putting out prior to the games. In our previous episode, episode 84, we had a fantastic discussion with OSU alum, Dr. Amanda Jones. Make sure and check that out. Also, we did the full preview of the college football slate and we made our picks. So we all know how well Kevin is doing in the picks. So if you want to make sure and get Kevin's thoughts on all the games, listen to episode 84. Because the episode was going long, we decided let's split it up so we can dedicate this one exclusively and specifically to covering just the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State game and the Kansas State and Texas game. Real quick, though, just so everybody knows, I picked LSU to cover, Missouri to cover, and Washington to cover, while Kevin went with Bama, Georgia, and Washington. And then at the end of this episode, we will pick the Oklahoma game and the Texas game. Kevin, let's start, since the last episode was a lot of bedlam, let's start with Texas and their game against Kansas State. In their last three games, they've gone for 38, 38, and 41. Their only two losses are against a ranked Missouri team and a ranked Oklahoma State team, both of them on the road. Kansas State is rolling since they've instituted a dual threat at quarterback with Avery Johnson and Will Howard. Um, This game is in a very interesting spot for Texas. There's a lot in terms of conference play at stake. Uh, You both only have one conference loss. This can secure kind of the path forward to the conference championship game. What are your thoughts on the game? What does Texas need to do to win? And update us on Quinn Ewers. All right, well, I'm going to start with your last question. I don't expect to see Quinn Ewers on Saturday. I expect to see Billy Murphy again starting at quarterback. Okay, this is a huge game, John. Both of us have huge games this weekend. This is a really good Kansas State team that's coming to Austin. And with Texas, you know, everything, all of their goals are still right in front of them. But the loss to Oklahoma a few weeks ago means that your margin for error is gone. And if you want to play for the conference, you likely have to win out. And that would include beating this Kansas State team, right? Like you mentioned, since they switched to that two-quarterback system, it seems to have unlocked something with their offense. They brought him in against Texas Tech, and they put up 38 points. You know, Will Howard's been there for a while. Avery Johnson is this really kind of dynamic athlete at the quarterback position. He could throw the football, too, but running it, he's really, really quick. He could pick up a lot of yards very quickly. You can see when he came in against Texas Tech, they had, they didn't expect it, and they had no idea what to do with it. I'm pretty sure he had four or five rushing touchdowns in that in that game alone. So they've really got a role in here. We know they lost some great players from last year's team. 
Um, it's really, it's really, I was about to say, it's really, really weird to talk about a Kansas state team that doesn't have Deuce Vaughn. Um, right. He was there forever. No, he might've been, you know, I don't know what the COVID year did for him. If that gave him an extra year, but he felt like he was there for a really long time. Who are we looking at in their running game? They've always got what seems like really solid performers at the running back position. Is this year any different? No, not at all. They've got two running backs that they've been using. Number one is the DJ Giddens. He's got 722 yards on the season, 6.2 yards a pop to go with seven touchdowns, 90 yards a game. They also have Treshawn Ward, who's running the ball well. He's got 458 yards, 5.3 yards a carry with three touchdowns, not to mention the quarterback game, right? Well, Howard has 313 yards rushing with six touchdowns. And then, like we talked about, this true fre- this freshman that they've been playing, Avery Johnson, he has 222 yards rushing with six rushing touchdowns in just a few games. So they're running the ball well. And as we know, kind of like with your offense, Texas, any offense really, right, the more you run the ball, the more the defense starts to creep up, then it opens up the play action. They're getting some big plays from guys like Phillip Brooks. Ben Sennett, the tight end, number 34, he seems like he's been there forever. I'm hoping he's a senior. This guy has been there for a very long time. He's got 27 catches, 364 yards, and three touchdowns himself. He's having a really good season. So, yeah, man, I mean, anytime you play K-State, you know they're going to be well coached. I think Chris Kleiman does a really good job um, for them. And they're going to come into Austin very confident. I think they're going to be licking their chops, right, getting this Texas team without Quinn Ewers. So they're going to come in very confident. But, man, I feel like it's a game that Texas can win, right? I feel like a lot of people may be picking K-State, and I can understand why people would do that. But I feel like this is a game that we really need. And I want to see what this team is about, right? They've answered most of my questions so far, besides the Oklahoma game. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to see what we can do against them. So Malik Murphy in his second start, he had a poor, um, poor interception, fumble. But other than that, looked pretty solid. You know, nothing earth shattering, but pretty solid. The arm talent was really, really good. Um, But this is a step up in competition. Uh, How good is K-State's defense? Are they are they good at committing turnover? Are you know are um, creating turnovers? Is this something where the inexperience of Malik Murphy is going to really be exposed in this situation? You know, potentially, potentially. I think if you're K-State, that's what they're going to be looking to do, try to confuse a quarterback. So I'm looking at Steve Sarkeesian here and say, well, what kind of game plan are you going to have for your young quarterback? I thought he did a good job of having him throw the ball early last week against BYU to try to get him settled and comfortable. I think that made a huge difference. My thing with Kansas State is they're pretty vulnerable against the run. Teams have had success running the football against them. Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon, they they picked up big yards rushing. I, I believe they're giving up four yards per rush. That's a pretty big that's a pretty big number. So what I'm looking at is I'm expecting big games from Jonathan Brooks, and I think that we're going to see a lot of C.J. Baxter, the freshman running back. I think we may see some of Jaden Blue. The other running back, who's a third string, who got some action, scored his first touchdown, kind of garbage time against BYU last week. So I'm really looking for Texas to 
attack K-State in the trenches. And, you know, K-State, I know K-State has kind of become OU's kryptonite. They yeah. used to be Texas kryptonite, really from the mid-2000s all the way to the mid-2010s. For some reason, once Tom Herman got there, all that ended. And we won six straight against K-State. I know that doesn't play a huge factor in this game, but what I'm saying is we've been able to run the ball successfully against them, and I think that's going to be a massive part of the game plan on Saturday is just control the clock, run the ball. I want to see us do that. And I want to see Malik Murphy throw the ball down the field. I want to see us get the, once we establish the run, I want to see us throw downfield and get Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jatavian Sanders involved in this passing game. I noticed Jordan Whittington had zero catches in the last game. Did he play in the last game? He did play. He was out there started and everything played his normal normal amount of plays i'm not sure why he wasn't targeted he's had a kind of a quiet season for a guy who's had so much experience but again we just have more weapons too yeah right so and i think believe it or not we've actually run the ball better than we did last year even though we had two phenomenal running backs right and jonathan brooks has been insanely good this year but from a talent level, he's not Bijan. But the offensive line has done a better job opening up holes for Brooks this year, better than we did last year. So we're running the ball better. More weapons means less targets for some of the receivers. There, y'all had another running back, right? That came in and had a had a nice run. Yeah, that was Jaden Blue. I was just saying. Jayden no, Blue. it wasn't Jaden Blue. Wasn't there somebody else? Didn't y'all have another running back come in? TJ Baxter. No, I guess I'm thinking. No, none else. of those guys. Okay, Jaden Blue came in. He had that late touchdown. Um, okay, that's all right. That's not a big deal. Um, here's the thing you get with Chris Kleiman, right? Is you get really, really disciplined football, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. And they kind of force you to have to make plays to go ahead and win the game. You don't have Quinn Ewers. You've got Malik Murphy. Um, you're, from what it sounds like, you're expecting the plays that are going to be made are going to come from the running back position because that's Kansas State's biggest vulnerability. I still contend you've got to throw the ball. Um, does he have the intermediate short game and patience? to kind of sit back there and not make mistakes that Kleiman is hoping a redshirt freshman quarterback makes? I think so. I think so. I'm, I'm hoping that he can build off what he did in the first game, right? And just take what the defense gives you. Teams this year have been playing us. They've been dropping eight and not trying to get beat over the top. And to me, if they do that, if there's a check down there, I'm fine with picking up five or six yards in the passing game, just keep moving the ball down the field and control the clock. That's what I want to see from them. You know, I do think we can get that running game going, and I do think that will open up a few opportunities down the field because if it's a one-on-one matchup, you know, even against good corners, I still like our guys to be a one-on-one matchup. As of today, you're a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm trying to think back. I was looking up. I, I couldn't remember. What was the OU spread? What did the OU spread end up being? It was close to that. I think it might have been. It did because it ended up going down. Yeah. Five and a half. 
What was your spread on? Yeah, I think it was five and a half. It might have closed at five and a half. What was the spread on the Bama game? Do you remember? I don't. The reason I'm asking this is is it looks like Bama Vegas was a favorite, is, though. It looked okay. So Bama was your favorite. So you've only been an underdog one time. I think since the Bama game, this is your closest line. Like this line's closer than even the Oklahoma game. Um, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with their six and two record. Is there anything else you think that's impacting this line? Because this is including with y'all being at home, getting the four and a half. Are mm-hmm. you surprised? Are you surprised it's not a little bit bigger line? No, I'm not. I mean, you got a second year. I'm sorry. You got a quarterback. He's making only his second career start. Right. He just doesn't have a lot of experience. That's my concern. I've got a couple of concerns defensively, too. Right. I haven't loved our safety play for a lot of the season. And the fact that K-State can run and throw the football. Teams who do it both well can just keep you. I mean, just same with any defense. Right. It's hard to key in on one thing. I think every defense is better when, okay, they run the ball really well. If we stop the run, then we win the game. They, I mean, with them, they have the ability to make plays both ways. And then the quarterback running game is what really scares me. So it's gonna, it's to me, it's gonna be interesting because for two weeks in a row, uh, Jalen Ford had rough games, and then you play BYU who's not very good, and Jalen Ford was your best defender on the team. So this is kind of going to be, I think, this is a litmus test to see where he's at in the season. Because to your point, they're way more balanced than like a BYU is. And so it's going to be really interesting to see your linebackers, how they perform. Is K-State, because K-State can hit you over the middle. And that's what you've been talking about now for three weeks, are those short passes over the middle, where your linebackers are getting sucked into the run game to defend the run game, and then your safeties are kind of getting caught in no man's land. So it's, I think it's going to be an interesting tactical matchup for Kleiman if he can expose that, or vice versa, has the Texas defensive coordinator made the adjustments necessary to kind of keep that from being a weakness for you guys? Correct. Yeah, they play a lot of bend but don't break defense. Again, I've said this for the last few weeks too, I think they have – the personnel to be able to use our corners and press and be really physical with other receivers, push them off their routes and just completely throw off the timing of these plays. That's what your short passing game is. It's all timing, but that's just, just not what the defense has been for us this year. It's just been a lot of soft coverage. Our guys are playing 10 yards off, even on fourth and eight, third and eight, we're still playing. 10 yards off. I don't like it. I, I would rather us be a little bit more aggressive. But yeah, we have to shore up that middle of the field because if it's there all day, man, it's, it's going to be a long day for Texas on that defense, especially if the offense isn't moving the ball consistently. Okay. I am I am glad to hear you bring up your corners playing so far off. It hasn't been the end of the world for us this year with that. That hasn't been the biggest concern, but it has been a concern in the past especially under Alex Grinch and and quite a bit under Mike Stoops, even where our corners were so far off. All right. Taking up, taking away the, um, the fans perspective of the fact that it just looks so weak from a football standpoint, what is the rationale for playing so far off um, in what we would consider short yardage situations, short yardage to gain, Things like that. Why? Why does a defensive coordinator want? What is he trying to protect against? 
you know, the only thing I think of is just not by not giving up a big play by any means on the outside, right? Just because, you know, if you play too close, you can get hit on a double move, especially if your corners are overly aggressive. They can run kind of a, what they call a sluggo, which is a slant and go. So the receiver takes a couple steps, runs like he's doing a slant route. The corner jumps up to jump in front of the slant route, and then he just runs upfield. Then you got a big play over the top. I think it's a fear of that. But, again, I don't mind the playing off. I just don't like it in the short yardage. I would just still rather our guys be aggressive. But I think all of it is just to prevent the big play and getting beat over the top. But, again, I think we have the personnel to be able to handle that that corner. The last concern I have for you that we've talked about all year, and I think it's going to be a pretty pivotal defining point in this game, is – can Texas execute in the red zone? Kansas State is talented enough to make you pay for it. They're disciplined enough on defense that it's not going to be easy. Is this the week that it bites you in the butt? Um, or have you figured out your um, red zone woes? And do you expect it not to be an issue against Kansas State? Well, no, I expect it to be an issue if they keep doing the same things that they've been doing. I think Sark needs to just say, look, when it comes to these jumbo packages, it's just not working, right? It's been several weeks against several opponents. Some of these opponents are good. Some of these opponents are not good, and it's still not working. I would now, rather real, them just break it is this, is this the jumbo where he's bringing in those defensive linemen? Yeah, or sometimes even like they have a, a um, offensive lineman named Malik Ogbo who wears number 80, right? They use him as a third tight end a lot. And he doesn't just play on the goal line, too. He plays anytime in, in just heavy run situations, right? But when he gets, when we get to the goal line, we have him in two, and it's still not working. So it's that. And of course, like you said, when they bring in the two defensive linemen, no matter what we do down there, when we bunch y'all together and try to push in, it's not working. So I would like to see CS just spread it out. If you spread teams out on the goal line, it look because like you said, I know it goes against what's conventional, but what's conventional isn't working, right? I mean, it hasn't. It didn't work against Wyoming. It didn't work against Rice. Didn't work against Oklahoma. Didn't work against Houston. Didn't work against BYU. Right? It's a, it's a big sample size now. It's not working. I would rather us just use our receivers in these situations. Last year, we used this thing called a whip route a couple of times with Xavier Worthy. It's when he faked the slant and then put, hit the brakes and went back to the outside and Quank and hit him for a touchdown. We used it twice in the red zone. Remember, it was a big play against Iowa State on the fourth and goal. Yeah. Ran that yep. perfect touchdown. I would like to see us bring that back. Well, right? use your best weapons if that power run is not working. We just got to get touchdowns. I don't care how you do it. Coaches are stubborn, right? We know that. They just, this will work. I know it'll work. I know it'll work. We got we got enough of a sample size to see that it's not. Well, Jonathan Brooks is a really, really good running back. He's right? one of the best in the country. But it doesn't have to be off tackle down there in the red zone. Like, he, to your point, you can spread it and still run. Yes. I mean, those are formations that they're used to blocking out of that they're used to executing out of. Um, it Sometimes when I see it, it frustrates me. 
like when Oklahoma is not under center on fourth and inches or for even for whatever, doesn't matter in inches when they're not under center, it, I get a little frustrated, but at the same time, Gabriel's been really good scoring out of the shotgun and, and that sort of stuff. So I'm willing to say, okay, so that goes counter to kind of how I typically view it. But to your point, if, if what works really well out in the middle of the field, um, there's, I mean, I know it's a tighter space, but you can still spread them out laterally. And Jonathan Brooks just has a lot of wiggle in there. I don't know why you wouldn't want to get him in space and allow him to beat one or two guys, not have to go up against the interior of an entire defense. Correct. Yeah. Because again, we've seen it. We've got, I gave you yeah. five different games where it didn't work. At some point you got to switch it up because like you said, touchdowns are going to be important. We've been able to move the ball effectively against every team on our schedule. Right. And you say is it finally going to cause it? I already did it in the Red River Shootout. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm right. not saying they would have won the game if they had scored that touchdown. It would have helped, right? You have more of a chance when you get seven instead of three. Well, yeah, and you didn't even get three in that one. I mean, right. it's it's man. Um, okay. Oh, Texas four and a half point favorite at home. I'm really torn on this line because I actually think it's a really good line. Like I could see Texas winning, you know, 30 to 24, you know, being a really, I think Texas wins this game. I think it's at home. I mean, well, I don't think it's at home. It is at home. I think Texas wins the game. I'm just trying to decide, do they win at 27, 24 or do they win at 30, 24? Does that make sense to me? It's not like that one field goal. I'm having a hard time in my mind. I'm going to go with K-State covering, but Texas winning. What say you? Okay, I've got Texas winning and I've got them covering. I think it's going to be, it's funny because I have that same that same score, 30 to 24. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a fascinating football game. You got to, we didn't even mention it. This is big noon kickoff. Um, one of the bigger games that Texas has had since, I mean, it's the biggest game you've had since Oklahoma. And before that, the biggest game since Alabama. I mean, this is, it's a massive game. This is a massive game. I was looking at while you were talking, I looked at the big 12 standings. I didn't real. I mean, I guess I should have realized we have five teams at four and one. Yeah. Five teams at four and one and Iowa state plays at camp. Uh, no, they're playing Kansas. Iowa State hosts Kansas. So you have a chance at the end of this. Uh, Oklahoma does too. At the end of this weekend to be either at the top of the pile at five and one or outside looking in at what could conceivably be Oklahoma State and Kansas State. I mean, it's this is a very how excited Brent Yormark would be. If oh, my gosh. Neither would even make. The championship game? Oh, my goodness. Oh, all right. You have Texas. I got K-State. Let's move on. Yeah, I don't even want to think about Brett Yormark. What? A, he's too much. Let's win for that. I don't know if I'm rooting for Texas, but I might for that. Uh, turning to the Oklahoma Sooners and Oklahoma State in the final edition of Bedlam for a very long time. Here's the thing. I'm scared to death of this game. I've said this. I've already said it before. I'll say it again. Ollie Gordon has me scared to death. He's running all over. Every time I see him on TV, he's bigger and stronger and faster. Oklahoma State has done really well over the last four games. 
they're just beating teams a lot by a lot, like very convincingly. It's it's fascinating to see what they come from because they were so bad in their first three. They even lost their game to Iowa State, their first four games. They just weren't very good. Mike Gundy was running through multiple quarterbacks, including his own son. He's landed on Alan Bowman. He's stuck with Alan Bowman, and he's committed hard to the run game. Their defense is doing enough to win games. And yet, when I look at the stats, Oklahoma should win this game, Kevin. They should win the game. Oklahoma averaging 41.9 points a game. Oklahoma State, 31.1. Oklahoma averaging 489 yards. Oklahoma State, 60 yards less a game at 429. Now, it's a little bit deceiving because since conference play started, Oklahoma State's been averaging 37.6. So it's almost like they're better against better competition. So that's kind of fascinating. But still, Oklahoma has a a 10-point advantage in points per game. As far as points allowed, Oklahoma has a five-point advantage, 18.9 versus 24.4 in points allowed. Yards allowed, Oklahoma 370, Oklahoma State 409. That's almost 40 yards a game. So it's 60 yards a game better offensively, 40 yards a game better defensively. Um, Bowman as a quarterback is fine. 1,580 yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. His QBR is 59. This is not a quarterback that anybody is scared to play. Um, So. When I look at it statistically, and I look at it from a quarterback comparison, we know what DG's numbers are. Numbers weren't great against KU, but he did run for three touchdowns. And if I contend if Levy would have let him pass a little bit, he might have done a little bit better. So I think we have got the better quarterback. I think we've got the better defense. Um, I think we've got history on our side. We're just scared to death of Ollie Gordon. Is he good enough to single-handedly carry Oklahoma State to beat OU? Yes, I I, I think he is. Now, here's the thing, though, right? Well, I, I mean, I might agree. It's crazy how he seems to get better every week, right? I mean, I don't know what was going on with the, with the non-conference schedule. I mean, he had seven carries against Central Arkansas, nine against Arizona State, three against South Alabama. I, I don't know if he was injured or what. First of all, when they lost to South Alabama, I mean, we all thought their season was – they didn't just lose. It was like 33-7. to seven. Yeah, they got to South Alabama. I mean, it's terrible. Then, you know, they, they decided to start giving him the ball, 121 yards against Iowa State, 21 carries for 136 yards against K-State, 29 for 168 against Kansas. And then the last two weeks, I mean – 29 carries for 282 yards against West Virginia on the road, four touchdowns. And last week against Cincinnati, 25 carries, 271 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, also that Kansas game, he had 100 yards receiving. Yeah. So when, when we played ahead. when we played Cincinnati, you'll remember they talked about that their defensive line was supposed to be halfway decent. Oh, yeah, they're one of the best run defenses in the country is what they were saying. And they just got run to pieces. And, uh, you know, we're got, we're get, the weather is not an issue on Saturday, okay? It's going to be clear skies, winds out of the north but or maybe out of the south, but not a big deal. 
Um, so it won't be a condition situation, but it's just a late season football. We're now in week 10. Week 10. Wow, that's hard to believe. We're in week 10, and teams are getting run down. They're getting beat down. Uh, you're starting to see the injury bug hit. We don't know the status on Stutzman. We don't know the status on Bowen. Uh, we hope Gentry Williams is going to be playing. You know, uh, Dr. Amanda Jones talked about this in our last episode that as far as a, a betting line goes, she's taking the over just based on Oklahoma's defensive injuries. I think that's a probably a pretty reasonable extrapolation of the facts. And so I'm just – I'm nervous about it. I think we can win this game, but, dude, I feel like you have to sell out and stop the run. And you've got to put – a lot of pressure on your secondary to play a very um, mis- mistake-free. They've got to be mistake-free. They can't have people running free. They can't have busted coverages because we're going to be throwing so much at the um, at the Oklahoma State rushing game. Yeah, you know, Danny Stutzman potentially being out is a huge, huge concern, right? Seems like the defense got a lot worse after he got injured against Kansas, right? I mean, he's not only the best player that you have, especially in the front seven. I mean, kind of a signal caller out there. So you just don't want to be without your starting middle linebacker, especially no. if he's as good as stuff. And especially when you're facing a guy like Ollie Gordon, right? And I know you've got other guys, right? Kip Lewis is, is a really talented guy, and Kobe McKenzie is very talented as well, but – I mean, come on, man. Like, Stutzman is no. that's, that's your guy. Yeah, we want Stutzman out there. We want Stutzman out there. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I curious, though, to see. And, and their receivers are okay. Rashad Owens, kid from San Antonio, coincidentally, Roosevelt High School. Oh, nice. He does, yeah, he's, he's having a good season for them. Um, Jaden Bray. Jaden Bray's their best receiver, 27 yeah. receptions, 349 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. Only a touchdown. Norman Only High, a touchdown. He's in Norman High School. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, he had a pretty big impact last year, but, um, you know, we'll see what he does, right? I mean, you got a kid from Norman, you know he's going to be fired up to play against the Sooners. So, yeah, I mean, this game is so fascinating. I think we were robbed of a night game. This just would have been an incredible atmosphere last year, like, just like it was in Norman last year. That, night, well, that was a bizarre game, by the way. That was a very weird game. Um, we were so good in the first quarter and then just had to hang on for the rest of the game. Did nothing offensively after the you first quarter. You couldn't even get a first down after it. I, no. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. A team starts so hot. We yeah, had four touchdowns it. in the first quarter. One of them was we had a couple defensive turnover. I mean, a couple turnovers that put us in really, really good position. Um, hell, we might have even had a pick six. I don't remember. But it – I don't know. Levy, listen, I was super hard on Levy in our post-game show this week. And, you know, over the course of the week, sports personalities throughout the Oklahoma Metro have been trying to moderate Oklahoma fan and tell us that Levy's really good and that our offense is super high-performing and things like that. And they can pull different stats out that show that. And that's fine. And I agree with that. We, We see it. But it doesn't change what's happening in game. When when things are unfolding in game, you call it the eye test, call it whatever you want. You're seeing things like the Oklahoma State game, where the numbers are so skewed last year that 
For three quarters, we were completely ineffective. Well, here's the deal. We can't even go one quarter against this year's version of Oklahoma State. We can't go one quarter of ineffectiveness and expect to win this game. We're going to have to be very, very um, efficient, consistent, and aggressive to beat this team, especially on the road, especially with Ollie Gordon. And that's going to be the biggest deal. Does he let Dylan Gabriel take his shots? Because that's what he was doing. That's what he did against um, Tulsa. That's what he was really aggressive in the play calls against Texas. We didn't necessarily go deep, but he was aggressive. He was letting him throw. He was giving him some you know, room to run, all of those sorts of things. We didn't see any of that at Kansas. We didn't see a ton of it against um, UCF. And so it's just, I don't know, I'm I'm still frustrated with Levy. That frustration hasn't ended. And now here we are against a really good Oklahoma State team. Is it is it possible that Dylan Gabriel might have an injury? I guess anything's possible, but you got Jackson Arnold, who's pretty good, dude. True, true. It's just it's interesting, right? Because the last few weeks you have not seen, I know you lost Andrew Anthony, and he was a big part of that. But you still have... Nick Anderson, who can get down the field, right? We've seen that, but well, I don't Nick know, Anderson got like down since that first quarter of the Central Florida game. The the deep passing game has just been non-existent. Haven't even really tried it. Well, I'll tell you what: if he has an injury, then then Arnold needs to be in the game, right? Because our offense doesn't function without a deep threat. It just doesn't. You know, we it because if he's if because the problem is. If you look at like the Kansas game and you take a look at a lot of those passing plays that he did call, Levy, all of our receivers were so flat, right? They were flat to the line of scrimmage. There was no depth in the routes. There was nobody taking anybody long and spreading the defense out and forcing them to cover. So, okay, let's assume that let's assume just for a second, maybe he is hurt. Okay, but you still got to send some receivers deep and try to stretch out the stretch that defense. Yeah, just out. The, almost like a decoy. Even if it's a decoy, and he's not doing that, that's what makes me think he's not hurt. Is that he keeps running everybody within a fifteen-yard, you know, box, and it's just really easy to cover. You know, there's just no openings there, and so this offense. We've talked. You've talked about this, Kevin, since since we hired Levy last year. You said it's predicated on a good run game. Play action, take your shots. And that's what we, when Oklahoma is, when they're humming, it's a good, effective run game. Even if it's not like huge chunk plays, it's a consistent run game that you then play action out of it and take your shots. And that's what we see have to see against Oklahoma State. Or we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. Right now, the line is, she's think Oklahoma's at five and a half. Yes, yeah, five. No, Oklahoma, right. Is that what it is on DraftKings? I think that's what it was on DraftKings, 5.5. 5. Right. What, what, what are you seeing? I saw six, but let, let, let me just back. Okay, that's what yeah, we have yeah. To pick. Let's, let's find out because it's important here. Yeah, that's what we have to pick. So hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a 2.30 game. And then, you know, while you're looking that up, you know, just going back on the Ollie Gordon thing, he, is a, he leads the country in rushing yards right now. Okay. I want to see, can you, is the defense going to be able to force some turnovers, right? We already know Bowman will throw you a couple, right? Are you going to make the plays that are necessary? Is there any way you can get a, a fumble from somebody like Gordon? 
I mean, if you can get a guy like that to turn the ball over, fumbling the football, these are game-changing type of plays. Well, are you going to well, get that from your defense, even if Stutzman isn't on the field? It, if if Bowen plays, yes. Um, Bowen is a walking playmaker. You know, that's all that guy does is tip balls and all sorts of things. Bowman had a good interception. Ethan Downs had an interception. So, yeah, I think turnovers can happen. And I think with Alan, uh, with, um, Alan Bowman, we can make that happen. Like, I think yeah. that this He's is going to throw that, you a couple. You know, you know that. Yeah. And I think, and I think our guys can make those plays. So, um, but as we saw against Kansas, that means we can't, we can't have the turnovers. We can't give them opportunities. We can't give Ollie Gordon opportunities because you've got to think that with as much as he's going to run the ball, they're going to kind of own the time of possession. So we've got to take advantage when we do have the ball and we can't be with giving it back to them. It is a six point spread. Oklahoma is favored by six. I do not like the line. I think the game is tighter than that. I think Oklahoma wins 37-34. Therefore, Oklahoma State covers the six. Okay. I think that Oklahoma State covers as well. I think they're going to have so much energy. It's their last opportunity to face you guys. Now, the thing I'm concerned about for them is Mike Gundy and the way he seems to coach differently against Oklahoma than he does against anybody else that they'll ever face, right? We talked about this on the last episode with Dr. Amanda Jones when when he coaches against Texas, he always has these crazy plays drawn up. The team is loose. He's loose. Just looks so calm and relaxed. Man, when they play the Sooners, he just looks nervous and just uncomfortable and decisive. The play calling's a little bit weird. So I'm, what version of Mike Gundy are we going to see on Saturday? Well, if we see the one that we see against Texas, then I would actually pick Oklahoma State to win this game outright. No, right? if if it's the if it's the Bedlam Mike Gundy, that is a check mark in Oklahoma's favor because he puckers up worse than any coach I've ever seen in a rivalry game. It's 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 like Mac in the early two thousands against OU. Right, the you know from the two thousand to two thousand, like around those years, those teams just like it was like that bad play calling, bad decision making. Just team with team was always looking scared. That's what it looks like for him. I don't understand. I know there's some connections there, and Oklahoma State is kind of eternal little brother when it comes to OU. But man, I like to see him coach that game loose. But um. Either way, I've got um, I've got Oklahoma State covering the spread. All right, Oklahoma State covers. All right, so to, to recap, you have Bama, Georgia, Washington, Texas covering, OSU covering. I've got LSU, Missouri, Washington, K State, and Oklahoma State. Um, so we got th- I got three games against you to try to, to try to make a run at your thing. So this could either be the week that I close the gap or the week that you have open a gigantic, maybe even insurmountable lead against me. But either way, it should be a heck of a week of college football. The Big 12, yeah. it's a big week for the Big 12. It's a big week for the SEC. Uh, Washington and USC is going to be a top, a, a ranked game. This is a great slate of games, Kevin. Yeah, it is, man. It's, it's a huge weekend. 
this is when the separation happens, right? And I think for Texas, I'm excited just as a fan to be playing in games that still matter <laughs> this late in the season. Hasn't been a constant for Texas over the last 13 years. So I'm excited for that. And then for OU, you know, I think you guys have to be excited too. This is where you're normally at playing in these games that matter. Last year, kind of had a break from that. So I'm sure it's good for Sooner fans to, to be back playing in games that matter. It's nice that Bedlam matters this year for multiple reasons, right? Conference is still wide open. And last time you guys are playing them. One more point I want to make on this game. You know, sometimes you look at players in these games. Who can make a big play? We got to remember Colin Oliver, Ed Rusher for Oklahoma State, Edmond Santa Fe High School. This guy makes huge plays. I think he had three sacks as a freshman against you guys, which ended up, you know, in that weird game that ended up being Lincoln's last three sacks in that game. He was good against you guys last year. I think he's got four sacks of the season. He has a lot of tackles. So watch out for him because he's a guy that can make plays. Also, Kendall Daniels, kind of a – he's a safety, but he kind of play. they play him kind of in a nickel. We're almost like your cheetah position type. They use him like that. He's a very active, six foot four, rangy player. So just watch out for those two guys. You have to account for them on most plays because those are a couple of game records for, for the Cowboys. I really feel like if Oklahoma shows up and plays – Oklahoma at their best beats Oklahoma State. Regardless not of, only do you do that, you beat them and you beat them yeah. you know, by two scores, at least two Re- scores. Regardless of what Oklahoma State does, Oklahoma at their Correct. best beats them. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma, with what we've seen, the, the product that we've seen in the last two weeks, Oklahoma gets beat. Oklahoma gets if beat. If Oklahoma State's at their best, and yeah, you, you get the Kansas performance, yeah. Yeah, they're beat. Um, Texas. Um, I think Texas at their best beats K-State. I think it's the same exact answer. Texas at their best is better than anything K-State can throw at them. But Malik Murphy, a little shaky. Uh, yeah. The you know the big noon kickoff gets him to a little bit. They get pressure on him. Then I think it starts to become a lot scarier proposition for the Longhorns. So yeah, and that's why all- that spread's only four, right? Yeah. So that's a four-point spread instead of a a bigger one, right? I think if Quinn Hughes was playing. Texas had the same record as they do now. If Quinn was playing, you'd see at least a touchdown spread, even over a good K-State team, and this is a really good team. It's a really good team. All right, man, it's going to be a great week. Um, we'll catch up after these games and recap it all. Uh, again, if you uh, if you want to hear more about our uh, national outlook on the games and you want to check out, please check out our interview with Dr. Amanda Jones, an OSU alum. She did a great job. She was fantastic. Uh, Give it us an OSU perspective into Bedlam. So please check that out over on episode 84. And Kevin, you have a great night. Boomer. Welcome.